You've tuned into the Bellion Podcast for the week of April 25th and May 3rd, 2021, episode 188. From that city by the Salish Sea, I am AJ Barsay. And on this episode, Chris takes a step back away from the mic. Uh, he just needs a little bit of a break. And, you know, he's off doing his clandestine missions. But what that means for you, dear listener, is this is a back-to-back episode. Now, you are well aware that the Bellingham Podcast is radio-friendly 30-minute episodes. But not this one. This is going to be an hour-long episode that I had with a special foreign correspondent for the Bellingham Podcast. And this will run for this week as well as the next. So without any further ado, let's dive into this extended edition of the Bellingham Podcast, episode 188. So as everybody will know, the Bellingham Podcast, as Chris Powell always says, we're bad, or excuse me, I got to get my uh, my baritone on. We're bad. We're worldwide. And this week's a little bit different from the Bellingham Podcast Office of Field Correspondence, the UK branch, if you would. On the mic today, we have Dan. He goes by Tamley underscore moments on Instagram. But more importantly, he is the host of the Zulu Time podcast out of Her Majesty's United Kingdom. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, AJ. How are you getting on, man? I'm doing well. I should say good good afternoon or good evening to you. It is the evening for me, yes. But, uh, you know... I'll say good morning to you. It's fine. It's no problem. I appreciate uh, it. You probably have a cuppa as well. So, you know. I do. As, as a, yeah, a stoic British man, uh, as it were, <laughs> tea drink. Uh, the, I think the, uh, in my, in my, at my work, the, uh, the phrase of choice was for a English, uh, it, that was it. It was an English tea drinker or something like that. It's like basically, you know how everyone has gone to like, you know, unique independent coffee shops. And obviously it seems to be like a good thing when you come out in the military, you set up an independent coffee shop. What's quite funny is the fact that there's very few people who have set up tea versions of that. So I'm one of the few who is now uh, uh, renowned in my office to drink from independent tea companies effectively. So something, it was something like, uh, yeah, tea drinking English gent or something like that. I don't think gent was actually used. I think it was another word, but I'll submit that. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Thank you. We have to stay uh, here in the US. We got to stay clean for the FCC. They are yeah. listening. But uh, anyway, so just to give a rundown. I mean, you are an Analog Explorer alumni, but for the Bellingham podcast folks, uh, why don't you give us a little rundown of who you are, uh, what groovy show you run and stuff and what you do? Um, I actually head up the Zulu Time podcast, which is a watch-based podcast. And obviously that's uh, how one of our com- uh, our um, shared hobbies that we've got. Effectively, it centralizes around the use of military watches, uh, the use of time within a military setting. And obviously, out the back of that, we look at the history of military watches and we look at military watches being used today. But then obviously, we tie in other things such as uh, charity. We also look at uh, getting outdoors as well, which is obviously a similar vein to uh, the stuff that you do uh, with the Bellingham podcast. So, yeah. That's uh, a little bit about myself. And uh, so, so today, what we're going to do, and and we're going to uh, talk about one of your your charity drops that you got coming up, because this is like your second one for, for your show. But uh, before we got, dive into that, the outdoors aspect. So to set up set up this episode, obviously it has been a year plus in pandemic, and uh, I mean I've I have been longing to get back over to your side of the continent, and I know that a lot of people listening to the show is also doing the same. 
But um, here in the Pacific Northwest, under lockdown, hey, the woods, the woods is fair game. So there's mm-hmm. been ample trekking coming on here. So I wanted to bridge the two. I want because I, I know a lot of a, a lot of listeners are uh, adventure travelers who uh, you know uh, I, have a, I have a friend who listens to the show shout out to Clarissa uh, the at vegan at Bellingham she uh, her, uh, her and her spouse did a uh, a trek um, I can't remember where in the UK but literally it's like this trek package where they set up camp in one spot and they like take a five day trek going to like different places not hostels but like different campsites and stuff yeah and uh, that was very much pre pandemic. But, you know, coming out of pandemic, I know there's going to be a lot of people here in the upper left of the United States that want to going want to go over to the UK. And so that's why I wanted to tap you, uh, field correspondent of the Bellingham podcast. <laughs> Give us the insider treks of some of the places. Like if I had a layover or if I'm going to spend a week in the UK, where do I go? As you know. AJ, from our endless conversations about mountaineering and outdoors adventures, um, I'm obviously a rock climber. I'm well, I say obviously, for those who don't know, I'm a rock climber. I'm a rock climber instructor. Uh, but um, when I decide that I want to do an outdoors adventure, for me, there's there's two uh, main places that I think, you know, like I said, if you're going to make the trip to UK, I think you need to go to. And actually, they're both located in Wales. So um, the first one, if you are into rock climbing or more rock climbing than uh, mountaineering, I would say you need to get into Snowdonia National Park. Okay, so Snowdonia National Park is in North Wales. There's obviously loads of places that you can stay. There's loads of really nice little uh, picturesque kind of Welsh villages there. Um, all of them are set up for um, outdoors adventures. And what I mean they're set up for that is it literally is you'll go into you'll go uh, obviously into these villages or pass through these villages. There'll be little bed bed and breakfast places for you to stay at. There'll be nice local coffee shops and, you know, places to, you know, to get something to eat and pubs. And then uh, the only shops there you'll find will be stuff to do with mountaineering, climbing, kayaking and all that kind of stuff. So it's all kind of geared towards that within Snowdonia National Park. But my favourite place uh, or one of my favourite climbs that I've done and completed out there is actually um, Trifan. Okay, so Trifan is considered like a classic climb. Okay, so obviously you can obviously hike it, track it, and you can climb elements of it in different faces, but it it dominates quite a large part of of Snowdonia. So it's one of those, like I said, it's a classic route um, or, or elements of it are considered classic routes. And when you look at the rock climbing guide and obviously the, uh, your mountaineering guides, they do say that if you have the ability to do it, you know, you try and tick off the classic, um, the routes that are obviously uh, in those areas. So for me, the first one I would tell people to go and have a look at is Snowdonia. However, there is there is one in South Wales, which uh, has got a link a little bit more to, to the military. And um, that is one that actually, uh, when you go through basic training with the British Army, you actually do have to do. So you don't do it to the level that it is famed for. Okay, so um, I'm I'm now going to take you into what I like to call um, I want to say it's deep and dark and miserable. It, it, it isn't. Um, but when you go through British Army training, it's always raining. It's always cold. It's always a little bit miserable. But you have fun on the way. And that's what outdoors adventures are about, isn't it? You know, it's testing yourself, you know, and getting out, getting out there and challenging yourself. And I think there's a really good um, 
a good a good expression that I've seen lately, and it is quite good, I think, for um, COVID as well. It's um, it's endeavour through adversity, and I think that's something that's you know what I mean. I think that's a, a fitting statement for the pandemic, but also for the Brecon beacons, especially in in, in winter. So um, if people can get if people don't fancy Snowdonia and they want to do, but they still want to do Wales. I'd tell them to go uh, to the uh, the Brecon Beacons, which is in the south of Wales. And obviously, if you're again you're coming over from um, America, you know, to make that trip, the good thing about being in the south of Wales is actually is also closely located to Cardiff, which is obviously the capital city. And I don't know about you, but when I visit other countries and when I go over over to different countries and do different trips, I always try and say that I've landed or seen the capital city for a day. So, yeah, same here. The, the benefit you've got with the Brecon Beacons is you can go to the Brecon Beacons for a weekend and you can also see Cardiff because it's actually, you know, relatively close. Okay. That's rad. The exact um, trek, as you like to call it, um, in the Brecon Beacons, which people have to do, or the peak that people have to do, is Penifan. Okay, so Penifan is famous because it is used by the British Special Forces. Okay. Um, and it's a part of what the military like to call the hills phase. Okay, the hills phase of selection. And effectively, it is a thing that's nicknamed the fan dance. And you start at the bottom of the fan, you climb to the top of the fan, you go back down to the bottom of the fan, <laughs> and then you go back up it and then back down it again. So you do it twice, effectively. So yeah, go do the fan dance. And like I said, it's famous for the military, because obviously if you're into your military history and you're into that kind of world, um, that is the route. And you can do the route, obviously, that is used by selection at certain times of the year. You know, you will see military personnel being, you know, hmm. run up and down that mountain effectively in that route, you know, in all their gear, uh, training and or actually on selection, you know. Hmm. Uh, but what's interesting about um, the fan dance now is a, a similar to how you mentioned that a, a friend of yours uh, came across the UK and obviously kind of booked on a camping kind of, like I said, you know, a bit of a yeah. tour where there's a bit of a route. You can actually now sign up for civilian and run fan dance competitions so you can actually huh. do the route you know you can get a medal at the end and you can do various right. you know different parts of it and you know gain your kind of status on that so so yeah penny uh, penny fan do the fan dance if hills and mountaineering isn't your thing in in and you still decide to go to um to brecon i've got one more thing up my sleeve for you okay what is it what what, what what's your opinion on you know going underground you know, oh, so yeah, I, I, I like being above ground and, uh, yeah. I like, I, I like to, I like to have altitude. Chris, Chris probably listened yeah. to the whole fan dance. He's like, Nope, this mountain goat oh, doesn't okay. do that. But, uh, I, I mean, I think it's cool, like split unking and all yeah. that type of jazz, but you know, I, I'm one of those people that just like mangoes in ground earth shakes, men don't come yeah. out of ground again. <laughs> so like, <laughs> but I still think it's cool, but what, what do you got? Okay. What do you got? So I've got a thing. Uh, I say I've got a thing. I've got a there's a there's a company um, and it's an area within the Brecon Beacons, uh, and it's called Go Below. You you're already looking a bit uh, you know out of your depth, literally. Oh, uh, oh, out of your depth. No, 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 dude. You shot me the link, and I'm like, this literally looks <laughs> like the scene from that movie, like The Descent. It literally looks yes. like the filming set of The Descent, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Horrible movie, horrible <laughs> outcome, and you want me to do what? <laughs> Yeah, so I want you to come below, go below the mountain, basically, <laughs> uh, AJ. So effectively, you sign on for various levels of going beneath 
um, some of the mountains within the bracken regions. Okay, but it's not just caving. Uh, there's a little bit of abseiling involved. There's some climbing, uh, and you can even get down to the water table. Okay, underneath the mountains and actually underwater water kayak in a cave. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that, your that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So that's really cool. So yeah, go below. Um, the other thing that go below also do it's an optional end on one of the routes that you can pick. Effectively, you can do a free fall abseil in a cave uh, in <laughs> the pitch dark in, if if you want to. Um, it, it is optional. It is optional. You don't have to do it. But what's interesting <laughs> about the go below routes and obviously you know being a little bit, I guess I'm going to say health warning on this is the fact yeah. that some of the routes guys if you do come across and do it you know check with go below because some of them um you actually once you start effectively you can't turn around okay right. so it's safer to continue um they do have obviously the duration of how long it should take you to do it the kind of things that you're expected to do uh on there and obviously effectively what i'm basically getting at here guys is obviously if you do choose to do that you know tailor your trip with go below to sure. what your ability your abilities are okay because at the end of the day caving is an unnatural thing but then if i yeah. combined you caving with a bit of climbing and then you do an abseil and then you go on a kayak underneath a mountain they're all very unique skill sets alone but then you throw them in together and then you put the fact that you're underwater uh, not underwater underground um, right. in the dark you know it could be quite a challenge so so that's the other option However, you also like altitude. And um, yeah. another thing that Go Below also um, are linked to is the, I believe it's Europe's longest zip line. Now that's rad. You can zip line basically down the Welsh valleys um, and it takes you over the old slate mines and the slate um, kind of parts there, uh, that, um, where obviously all the slate's been obviously, you know, dug up and all that kind of stuff. So you can see all of that kind of stuff, which is quite cool. Um, it is, I believe it is the longest zip line in Europe. It's definitely the longest zip line hmm. in UK, but I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, it's the longest zip line in Europe. So Brecon kind of, you know, encompasses everything for you really. And like I said, if you're making that trip, you can also come to the, uh, the capital city. So yeah. No, dude, that's great. And what's, what's also great is like the the whole aspect of like your parallel on, on the globe and our parallel here in the Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. is relatively speaking pretty close. Like yeah. uh, like when you say like, oh, it's rainy and it's cold and it's dark and it's got gray skies. People are here in the, in, in, in the upper left of the USA are just like, yeah, that means it's a Sunday. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like right now it's eight degrees and raining or eight degrees Celsius and raining outside right now. So like, you know, uh, I think whales and, and, and full disclosure, like next time that I do make it over to the UK, like Wales is on my, my, yeah. me and my wife's bucket list. Like Penny fan is definitely my trek that I, I want to do the next time I get over yeah. there. So like, uh, you know, packing to getting, you know, before we segue to the next part, but like, you know, packing to go over to these treks that you mentioned is mm-hmm. really not a, a large ask for any uh, outdoor yeah. enthusiasts here in the Pacific Northwest. All the kit that we have normally will well adapt as long as you can get it on a plane to the treks that you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other good thing is, right, is that the the Snowdonia National Park as and, and the Brecon Beacons um, are actually quite small. You know, you know, mm. I mean, fundamentally, yes, they're large for UK, but, you know, they are they are small and you could spend, like you said, a long weekend. You could see and do pretty much all of those things um, or all of the different peaks that you wanted to, either in Snowdonia or, like I said, do um, the fan dance one day and go below the next day and the zip line the other day. You know what I mean? You can compress that. But if you wanted to do a longer 
experience with in the UK. There's, there's, um, uh, I mean, I've put it into our show notes. We've only spoken about one of the peaks, um, mm. but there is obviously the UK three peak challenge, which obviously is across the UK, and that will take in Snowdonia. It'll take in Ben Nevis. The other one is Scarfell Pike. So Scarfell Pike is in Lake is in Lake Windermere, uh, in the Lake District, which is in the northwest. Um, and that's again a very good place for you know your your hiking and 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 your mountain experiences. And obviously you got the lakes, so you can also combine that with kayaking, canoeing, uh, paddleboard, and all that kind of stuff. So there's that. But you know what I mean? Like if if people planned their trip, you know. Um, there's stuff like the three peak challenges are really good because it will actually get you out and across most most of the UK. The thing is with the three peak challenge, if you actually signed up for it, you have to do it in a set time as well. Uh, and effectively, you you end up like you basically have to have a team because you'd have to have a support team to effectively drive you uh, while you then sleep in the vehicle and then you run the mountains and then you come yeah. back down so so it is a bit of um you know a grizz as we like to say in the military you know it's a bit cheeky um so maybe maybe leave that one for after you've like conditioned yourself but you know what i mean even if you took in one of the peaks um i actually say that scarfell pike is the is the one to take so i i appreciate that you talked about things going below ground and mm-hmm. on ground here in the u.s uh in bellingham i have to talk about something above ground and that is that you might be listening to us on camry 102.3 fm and community powered and community streaming at camry.org worldwide even though over there in the uk boom <laughs> So, so let's dive into gear because like uh, trekking, whether it's over there, over here, like, you know, we all have our our kit preferences and stuff. And you and I have been, been uh, like swapping out some kit during the pandemic and stuff. Um, But out of, out of a a tip of the hat to the watch fam and also your show, uh, what's on your, uh, let's, let's start with the watches we got on our wrist uh, just as a shout out. So what do you have, uh, what are you wearing today on, on our show? So um, it's very in fitting because it's actually the company that I'm going to bring up in, in, in my gear list for you. Um, so I'm wearing an Elliott Brown Holton Professional Dives watch. Okay, uh, it's very nice. Uh, it's um, a really cool company. Uh, Elliott Brown are headquartered in Dorset, which is on the Jurassic um, coast down in the south yeah. of England. Uh, they take all their inspiration from um, surfing, mountaineering, uh, mountain biking, uh, as you like to say, the go anywhere and do anything adventure watch kind Gotta, of thing. Okay? Yeah. They've got various different styles. Um, the whole in it is their profession is part of their more, I guess, like I said, it's in the name, it's the professional range. They're all, I would, I class all of their watches as professional watches though, or the ability to, you know, do what we want. However, um, it's got professional in the name because it was developed with um, close ties to the British military. So right. that's the watch that's on my wrist. What about you, AJ? What have you got? Uh, I've got uh, the watch that has been on every wrist check uh, in the last year, and that's the uh, Baltic Aquascaf Bronze, one of the numbered Very editions. Nice. Yep, Very nice. it's uh, as as I've alluded to on on our on our show, and because I'm getting close to my anniversary date, so I I put this on at the beginning of the pandemic. And really short of a handful of times, like literally a handful of times, it's been a year long watch fast to kind of shout out to the two broke watch knobs guys. And that was largely because I wanted to see what bronze could do in the Pacific Northwest. And I mean, I've taken it under the water. I've taken mm-hmm. it up on mountains and stuff. And it's, it is dark. I mean, it is, it is not yeah. the shiny that it used to be, but um, I'm going to write up a, uh, I have a piece that I've been working on all year, which is basically a, uh, a pandemic, you know, a pandemic on the wrist as it were a, a one year on the wrist. 
um, and specifically how my bronze is patinaed and some other stuff that's going to be coming down the pike. So there's a little bit of a teaser for the watch fam folk. But also, I, I do have to give you a specific shout out because I'm wearing an uh, Elliott Brown heritage strap, which I, I, I'm absolutely uh, smitten with this, this strap. I, like, I love the webbing and it, specifically the buckle, man. Elliott Brown yeah. nailed it out of the park with the buckle. Yeah, it's a very cool strap. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad you're enjoying it. Um, I think what's cool is the fact that it's a, their own design. You know what yeah. I mean? Everything about that strap is their own design. It, Like you said, there's other straps out there. We've spoken a lot about straps uh, in the past together. And obviously, you know, we, we've ha- you've highlighted it on, your, on, on previous episodes of the Bellingham podcast. Um, and we've also got very good friends, obviously, you know, who are in that um, side of, of the watch uh, industry, you know, and they all offer different unique options. But I think what's cool with the, uh, um, the Elliot Brown one is that it's, um, you know, it, it's like I say, it's, it's patented, it's their own design. Um, it's unique to them and it's an affordable strap. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like you said, I've worn it in very arduous conditions as well. And I've not had a problem. You've clearly not lost your Baltic. Um, you know, so I, I you know, I, I think it's just a very good all-round strap to wear. It is. It is. So let's get into the, the kit, shall we? Uh, and and we're, we've kind of split it up uh, based off of our, our, uh, our terrestrial locations for some of, mm. some of our kit and stuff. But uh, in traditional TikTok fashion here on, on the show, I'll, I'll, I'll be uh, talk if you be tick. So why don't you lead off? Okay. What's your first selection? So uh, obviously we've, we've done the wrist, uh, the wrist check, so that's tick done on that. Yeah. But uh, my, f- my, my first kit one for you would be Montaigne. Okay, it's a brand Montaigne. Okay. So Montaigne are a British mountaineering and outdoors kind of brand. Um, very similar to that of, you know, Arcteryx and all that kind of mm. stuff. But for me, Montaigne walking trousers slash climbing mountaineering trousers are some of the best bits of kit that you can get. Okay, so what's really good, AJ, about Montaigne trousers is they're quick drying, okay, which nice. is always good. Even though they're very obviously thin and they're, they're obviously a technical layer, uh, they keep you warm. Okay, and obviously mm. that's quite important when you're when you're out and about, um, especially like I said, in conditions which are adverse. You know, wet, windy. Um, but more importantly, uh, I'm quite height conscious. Okay, I'm a short man, uh, and Montaigne provide for a whole range of sizes. Okay, so Montaigne's nice. technical uh, trousers line, or in your case in America, you call them the pant line, um, are are really really good so if you can get hold of them over in 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 the states um i would encourage you to do so if you can't well it just gives you an excuse to come to england and come that's what i was just thinking i love it yeah no i was checking i just was checking them out now and yeah totally next time i'm over there i probably will pick up a pair (laughs) yeah i think the exact model that i've got are called the terror pants yeah, that's what I was just looking at. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think they're the exact the exact model um, or the exact you know style, um, but they are absolutely fantastic. Um, the best, like I said, the best kind of climbing technical um, mountaineering trousers I've ever owned. So there you that's go. rad. Kick. <laughs> ah, now you're yeah. getting it. So so for me, because I, I I'm I'm on daddy duty. As a matter of fact, even this mm-hmm. weekend I'm on daddy duty. And uh, so this was opening opening day here in uh, Whatcom yep. County for for fishing. So my son and I were out and and he got to try out his brand new piece of kit that he earned from dad from an uh, adventure school, which is something that I've been doing for, with him for over a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he earned his first backpack. So he has his own uh, 12 liter. It's really 
really cute. Tarn by REI, um, which mm-hmm. I believe also for our Canadian listeners, there's a version of the Tarn uh, from the Canadian Mech, which is their REI. But this is great. It's if you're if you're like me and you're like, okay, I've got uh, I got a little one, and mm-hmm. they're also getting prepped for kindergarten. Um, and you want a backpack that can go kind of like the, the post I wrote on my blog so many years ago, which was like, you know, go from the office to the trailhead for straps. This is yeah. the, the kiddo version of from the trailhead to the schoolyard of backpacks. Yeah. It's, it's got a little sternum strap with a safety whistle on it. It's got padded shoulders and it's, I mean, it's 12 liters. I mean, but yeah. for a little, it's just enough to put snacks, books, everything that you would need to need to have for a, a little one on a, on a trek, and then throw the rest in your in your sack as as the parent. But anyway, yeah, it's it, I've looked at a few other packs for kids, and this is the one that's re, it's it's affordable. I think it's like forty bucks uh, USD, and uh, you know it's it's a really good uh, pack for him. He he loves it. So talk. Uh, so for me, man, um, Osprey. Okay, so follows on from um, backpacks for littles. Um, we're looking at backpacks for adults now, okay? So Osprey, yeah. Osprey Europe, they make obviously a, a wide range of uh, mountaineering, outdoors backpacks. Um, and like you said, you can get various different styles and you can get obviously various different leash ridges, okay? So I've got large ones for longer treks where obviously it was properly mountaineering, we're out and having to carry everything uh, right through, to, like you said, uh, more specific niche kind of base axe um which i will take for climbing so my ones are more specific to climbing and the models that i have owned are the scarab um as well as the talon slash talon twos okay so mm. they're, they're the climbing specific ones i cannot fault these day sacks um for the life of me they're absolutely fantastic i've had them for years um but what's really cool is like you said you can buy um well they, like I said, similar to uh, what you said with REI is the fact that you can take them from uh, the office to the mountain and back. What's really good is that because of the various different styles, you can find one that will tailor what you want. So, you know, they are fairly, they're accessible backpacks, but, you know, yeah. what I mean, they're still, you know, 70 pounds upwards. You know, if you don't want to buy, you know, multiple bags for work then you won't have to, you will be able to find one. Uh, but what's really good is obviously they've thought about, um the different environments in which you can use them for. So, you know, you've got like aerated back mesh padding, you've got aerated yeah. shoulder straps and all that kind of stuff. You've got emergency whistles, you've got all of them are pretty much waterproof. You know what I mean? So they're all very good backpacks and it's just about finding the ones for you. Like I said, my experience is on uh, the talons and the scarab line uh, and then larger packs. I think mine's the ether or aether hmm. line um, and they're just very, very good. So, you know, if you're into going outdoors, um, uh, and often I would tell you to to look at Osprey packs. And what's really good is if you're an international traveler, they pack down flat. You know what I mean? And oh, that's nice. really important. So, yeah. you know, you can empty it, you can pack it down flat. Um, or, you know, because of the sizing, you can actually just use it as your hand luggage. You know sure. what I mean? So, so there you go. Well, speaking speaking of uh, luggage and stuff, the, I picked up a new travel bag for when I can go into a plane. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been looking at Kotopaxi for, I don't know, probably since they were first, I think they were a Kickstarter brand or they started, mm-hmm. they started as crowdsourcing back in the day and the really eco-responsible uh, company and stuff. But, uh, and they've got a cute llama for a logo. Can't go wrong with that. But um, they're very, they're, they very much pretty, uh, make a bag that is, um, it's, it bifolds open um, so that you have kind of like that, um, 
like a soft shell version of like a roller bag uh, when you go oh, on yeah, a plane. Yeah. Um, but it's a backpack and it's designed as for like adventure trekkers. So like you could take this bag, stow all of your stuff to get to a continent, you know, dump it off in your uh, B&B or your hotel or whatever, kit it up for when you're going to go. And that bag can perform both, you know, on the plane, in a city, and then on a mountain as well. Um, they're a bit pricey, um, depending on what line you get. The mm-hmm. Alpa 42 is what I just got because they finally released it. Thank you, Cotopaxi, in green. It's a, like a Pacific, almost like a, a forest green. Um, nice. And I have not been able to use it because I can't travel anywhere. <laughs> but I look forward to be able to use it when I can. Well, I look forward to you being able to use it as well because it probably means that you're on a flight to, uh, flight to UK to come out and uh, probably to Cardiff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've just realised my next uh, kit, uh, like note, is actually another Welsh. It's got another Welsh link. There you go. So, DMM Wales, guys. So, DMM Wales is a British. Uh, obviously more specifically Welsh, but it is a British mountaineering rock climbing company. Um, What they do is they do all of your safety gear, your carabiners, your harnesses, uh, ropes, um, quick draws, all the stuff that you would need for sport climbing, track climbing, and all your accessories, uh, right down to uh, bouldering mats, bouldering chalk bags, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Hmm. They are the best... Uh, mountaineering equi- uh, rock climbing equipment that I've safety equipment that I've ever used my entire sport rack my all my quick draws and all my carabiners are by DMM Wales um, cool. what's really cool is if you ever get to visit um, you can actually ring them up and have a factory tour they're very huh. open about you know how they test their gear what they do and they will actually take some gear and they will test it to destruction in front of you because they're, you know what I mean? They're that willing and open and transparent about it to, to, to walk people through just because, you know, you, you pick up a carabiner in, in an outdoor shop and, you know, you'll see, but you'll, you'll see that it will say something, you know, um, on the more decorative ones, obviously not for use for climbing. Uh, and then obviously you see on the technical ones, it says that it'll give you the Newton force in which you can effectively climb on that. And for those who haven't climbed um, or just getting into climbing or just are unaware of the forces that these carabiners can take, you can actually you know, you can pull a car with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't matter how high you take a fall, you're not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's you're, you're, it sounds horrible, but your body will break before that carabiner will break. You know right. what I mean? So, but if you go there and look at the factory, that they, they'll show it to you as well. You know what I mean? So that's what I like about I like about them as well. You know, uh, that and also very independent. You know, it goes back to oh, cool. something that I like to do, um, which is supporting independent brands. So DMM. So in the in the independent uh, brand vein, um, there's a there I believe they're based actually here in Washington State out of Preston, um, Cascade Mountain Tech. You know they're they like if you go to REI like REI has their own brand of stuff Black Diamond and also like you know so on and so forth. Well Cascade Mountain Tech their uh, all of their kit um, is really accessible um, and the kit that I'm going to point out of theirs because I've tried a lot of them is I really like their trekking poles. Um, mm-hmm. they're the ones that I use, uh, regularly. And the reason why I like them is the, the ergonomics, the light, uh, the lightweight, uh, nature of them, even in their, their poly, uh, polycarbonate, I don't have their carbon fiber or anything like that. And they pack down, uh, short so that you can really get them into your, you know, your, your stays and your, your pack, yeah. uh, bag, if you've got them, some of them, like the RI ones, they pack a little bit longer. I think I picked up my trekking poles, like for a pair, I got them for like 35 bucks or something. 
Nice. And, you know, they've got they got all the, the, the bells and whistles that, you know, ergonomics that you'd want with like the the, the handles are actually formed so they, they fit yeah. within your hand. And you can also get it in a cork option or a rubber option if that's an uh, importance to you. If you're looking for trekking poles and you don't want to spend black diamond arm and leg, yeah, take a look yeah. at Cascade Mountain Tech. I mean, I would suggest to anyone to get uh, trekking poles anyway if yeah. you're going to be doing a long yeah. a long hike or a long series of uh, tracks and you know mountaineering and going up um on long distances mainly because it just saves your knees and your joints you so know especially much. coming coming down the mountain um <laughs> and this is another thing is someone we've spoken about before is you know getting to the top is optional you know yes. getting down is an is mandatory 100 mandatory you know I, I want to say I, say, I say I'm getting old. I'm obviously not. But, you know, even I start to feel it after, you know, um, a long day out on the mountain when you've come back down. If I had, didn't have, you know, trekking poles or, you know, something to support your your weight as you're, you know, going down the mountain, you know, you do feel it, don't you? Especially on your knees, yeah. you know, it's, it's, and for $35, you know, it will save you a world of pain as it were afterwards. You know what I mean? So. Absolutely. I'm all for that. Mountain Equipment brand, um, they do some fantastic warm layers, um, nice. which I think is important, you know, and, and they, oh, yeah. they're good because they're, they're active warm layers. Uh, one of the best ones I've ever got um, was actually through uh, the Army Mountaineering Association, uh, which is quite cool. Um, I've got a stow, stowable um, gilet, um, hmm. and it's uh, it's one of the ones that it folds down into its own pocket. It's a stow pocket. It literally folds down to about the size of a phone um nice. and it's a it's a polar tech one as well so it'll keep you warm oh, cool. it's breathable uh it's loosely water resistant on the front um but obviously breathable on the back which obviously helps so if you are fortunate to come to uh uk and have a trek where it's not raining um <laughs> you'll have the ability to obviously wear you know i would personally you know wear that gilet as as my main warm layer when i'm, when I'm moving you know um and like i said what's really good is the fact that it vents your heat correctly and, and you know it maintains that but also the added pockets that you've got from you know i don't like having stuff in my trousers uh when, yeah, I'm, when I'm on the mountain i prefer to have it up on my chest or in my in, in my day sack so the added pockets and you know the you know, the ability to just stow things into a gilet, I find it a lot more simpler and to hand when I'm on the mountains. So check out um, Mountain Equipment's gilets because they're very, very good. So. I dig it. No, I'm, I'm the same way, especially, you know, I don't like having anything, especially my leg pockets, but even mm -hmm. just in pockets in general, like I like to have everything free and clear or in my yeah. pack. Um, and the, recently, like within the, the last year, I picked up a, a smartwatch but, and I'm going to use that very loosely. I'm going to call it a connected watch. Mm -hmm. I, I picked up a Garmin Instinct, the non-solar yeah. version, because it was cheaper on the secondary market. And I've loved this thing because one, I, I don't, I don't have this, a need for the smart connected features for like mm -hmm. messaging and stuff. I don't care. The thing about it I do care about is it's an ABC watch. It gives me a mild barometer yeah. and compass. And specifically, I wanted something because I was with my son and I have a, I have a very aging iPhone with a very mm -hmm. aged battery. So mm -hmm. I was concerned, especially with the temperatures remaining cold here in the Pacific Northwest about that consumes battery. And not that I don't know where I'm going, but like I like having it, it just in case, you know, having yeah. a breadcrumb map, being able to know, you know, if we need to bug out, we can. So... Yeah. The Garmin Instinct does a uh, breadcrumb map that works really well. Um, it has all of the acronyms for all the satellites, GLONASS, uh, Galileo for over there in the yeah. EU. 
um, and then uh, GPS over here. And the thing that sold me on this thing, honestly, is the battery. Like, yeah. this thing can do seven days without even blinking, without a charge. And yeah. the fact that they that in the Garmin took this and then was like, let's add a solar move, not solar movement, but solar panel to it. And yeah. it's like an infinite, as long as it sees light, it's infinitely charged and ready to go. I think that is, like, at, from a technologist standpoint, like, that's the secret sauce for yeah. um, this to be a tool both, you know, for the office and for the trailhead. Now, I will say it is a very chunky monkey for case design and stuff yeah. for for the, the office. It depends what office you're in, though, AJ. It like does. if you're it in does. my if you're in my office, mate, like this, it's it, it's probably considered quite a small watch. Sure, yeah. sure. But I'm I'm usually not in the belly of planes. But uh, <laughs> but but, you know, like for for a typical uh, outdoor enthusiast, it, it, you know, just throw it in your bag and stuff so that yeah. it can still lock on to GPS. Like you don't have to have it on your wrist if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a tool, like it's it's thick enough also so that like you and I talked about offline, the interface and the buttons yeah. it, is the thing that makes this thing great because you can access everything within two clicks no touchscreen needed or nada. Like it's just very intuitive, very tool watch centric kit. So yeah, Garmin instinct. I can't laud this thing enough. And I bought mine, you know, secondhand. I think the other thing is with, with Garmin, um, uh, and other brands that do, um, like you said, uh, connected, uh, ABC watches. So, you know, the other main competitor I'm thinking for this side of the pond would be Sunto. You know, yeah. um, I think the benefit that you've got with Suntos and Garmin's as well is the fact that they put, um, they support the software and, you know, oh. the actual device for a lot longer than you'll ever get with um, Apple. Uh, <laughs> Android. Apple. <clears throat> Android, yeah. Plenty of those, you know. But like you said, the, the thing is, is that they're also very, they're very good. You know, they, they stuck, they're both those companies stuck in, in their field and stuck to what they know. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yes, you can get different versions for your different office, as it were, you know, being, sure. uh, aviation, mountaineering, diving, Surfing. and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's fantastic. But like for me, um, I've owned uh, Garmin's in the past as well. I still own one um, for exactly the same thing. So when I'm instructing rock climbing and mountaineering, um, like you said, you have the ability to look at stuff like um, ultimate, uh, your, your barometric uh, pressure for if you potentially looking at, you know, <laughs> possible weather fronts coming in all that Storm kind of warnings yeah. yeah and then obviously compass as a backup because you know it is a it is a backup it's not it shouldn't be your main one um mm-hmm. but you know what i mean I, th- I just think they're fantastic um and actually they're so good uh you may or may not know this but the uh u.s navy uh actually started to issue garmin uh i didn't know that yeah, so the U.S. Huh. Navy, and you're like this, so it's a little bit of a segue for you. The U.S. Navy from 2018 started to trial this. Uh, they issued the Fenix line of watches to uh, F-18 air crews um, huh. as backup altimeters. Uh, if oh, interesting. If it was all to go wrong um, in, in the aircraft, they could, t- in theory, you use it as a backup altimeter. And they were testing that, um, I think, back end of 2018, early 2019. So oh, as far as I'm aware, you haven't lost any F-18s anytime recently. So <laughs> I like to think it worked out quite well. <laughs> I hope not. I'm going to have to reach out to the uh, yeah. unofficial U.S. Navy uh, correspondence desk of the Bellingham podcast to confirm or deny those statements. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. But um, yeah, uh, that, that, that's kind of my last one. The only other one that I had on my list was the heritage strap, but I already mentioned on the wrist check. So yeah. what's your, what's your last, uh, your last so, kit? 
my last piece of kit and we're all guilty of this how many times have you ever you know set up camp in the dark aj or how many times have oh, you plenty. you know got got off the mountain obviously to, to <laughs> return home uh and it's in the dying light you know what i mean oh, oh yeah or it's just it's it's dark enough for you to you know be a little bit concerned about footing as an example a L- little bit yeah yeah and, a, few and, times, you know, a few times yeah so you know we're all guilty of it it's absolutely fine it's, it's part of the learning learning process of going <laughs> outdoors um but i would always tell people to take a head torch okay and i understand that head torches are some people look at them and go oh, well i've got my phone and i can use that little no. led light no no don't, man. don't do that okay no uh it is it, it's it's one of the worst things you could do uh, mainly because it kills your phone uh battery very quickly um but also you know the thing with a head torch is the fact that it leaves your hands free. And what happens when you are in the dying light and you're coming off the mountain, normally you're trying to get off that mountain very, very yeah. quickly. So having hands free is a, another safety element there for you as well. And it gives you the ability to do things quicker, you know, instead of putting your phone down in an odd way, you know, dropping it or whatever, you know, or it, it, not even a phone, just a handheld torch, you know, I think. Right. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're good for certain things, but I think the head, head torch is always the one. Um, I've put a link in there for the E plus lights. Okay. Um, it's a very, very small head torch. But what's really good with Petzl is the fact that they have different modes. So you've got white light, you've got red light, you have an automatic SOS um, ability to send that signal. Um, but also what's really good is they are waterproof. So you can actually no, use that's them cool. down. You can use them down to, I think it's about three to five meters. Um, if you had to, you know, if, if you had to, I mean, I wouldn't test it, you know what I mean? Cause if I'm three to five meters underwater and I'm actually on a mountain, I'm, you know, I've changed sports very quickly. Yeah, I was gonna say, um, you've, you've run into what we call a big problem. Uh, yes, maybe yeah. you're in a cave, Dan. Like, yeah. <laughs> maybe I've yeah materialized in go below and I'm underneath the mountain. But the point <laughs> being is, is the fact that, you know, they're very good, you know, and they yeah. are like we- effectively weatherproof, but more importantly, they're small. So, you know yeah, what I mean? Cool. It's, I think the, the E-Lite uh, one that I've just mentioned there, I think it is literally about the size of, um, I've got my GoPro here as reference. It's like the size of half a GoPro. You know what I mean? In terms of, it's about the size of the lens actually of, on a GoPro to give you, give you the uh, dimensions. You know what I mean? So it weighs nothing, you know? Uh, but also it, the headband strap, has an emergency whistle on it um and it's oh, cool. you know like i said it is it's effectively infinitely adjustable to the size of the headband and that's slightly elastic as catered as well so go get one of those so yeah that's my last bit of uh, that's my last bit of kit for you mate gravy groovy man so for this next for our last bit for the show is always our quality assurance and uh, i have to change my normal hook is that uh, these picks are picked for you by aj and dang for your quality assurance so uh i'm gonna go first because i only have one and that is um because we're in the vein of trekking and, and mountaineering i think there's one name that pretty much every household uh, ever since free solo has heard and that's alex honald oh yes so so the dude is just a beast like i don't know how else to describe him another level (laughs) yeah like his hands literally sasquatch himself would tremble if he saw the 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 amount of musculature that man has in his hands so alex honnold also like a really humble chap like i've seen a lot of different interviews with him and stuff and he just is who he is and it's it's Mm -hmm. really cool um he's no nonsense and uh kind of like you see like on on some shows like people celebrities read mean tweets type of thing 
Well, Wired had an interview with him where Alex Honnold answers rock climbing questions from Twitter. And Mm -hmm. it's really a, a breath of fresh air because like, you know, here is a guy who knows his sport if not probably wrote part of the chapters of the book of his sport. And like, he just flat out like, oh yeah, like this, this, like you can do that. Nobody ever does, but you could do this instead. And, or he'll recommend like, you, you know, what type of kit he uses and why. And I've seen him in other, other ones where like he, he does breakdowns of um, like famous climbing scenes in movies, like mission impossible and stuff. And it's hilarious when he's just like, Oh, that that's legit. Oh, I take that back. Now, from this point forward, this is totally fake. You would die. Like, he's just yes. very flat when it comes to his, mm-hmm. uh, like, thoughts. So I just wanted to uh, throw that out for everybody to check out. But for you, sir, you have some quality assurances that are beyond yes. just media. Yeah. So I've got, I've got, um, well, I've got one that's media. Uh, well, two that's media. Taking mountaineering from a different approach from Alex Honnold. Um, Nims die is also another individual that uh, if you're into mountaineering and rock climbing, you probably already know who he is. Uh, But he is the ex-Special Forces soldier who recently completed um, Project Possible, uh, obviously before, well, I guess before COVID. Um, And that was obviously um, the 14 highest mountains in the world. Uh, He smashed the record, uh, did it in six months and six days. Uh, Previous to that, it was just shy of eight years, um, which is, insane so yeah go check him out on instagram he's um got a book out as well um and yeah he's just again made of uh different things and i think we should study him for the fact that he's just another level you know what i mean in terms of just just that person's ability to to climb uh, a mountaineer so yeah he's pretty cool um the other media that i've got and then it'll roll into um a, a, a shameless plug there's a new podcast, AJ, that's out about watches. Okay, they've just started. Um, they're taking it slow, in, I think, in the next couple of episodes. And, and what they want to do is, obviously, that they kind of want to look at, obviously, watch releases, as all watch podcasts do. Uh, but they also want to look at um, other stuff, uh, mainly alcohol, of all things. And I know we don't endorse alcohol fully. Uh, we don't obviously endorse that if you if you don't want to do that and and that's absolutely fine but it's it's a unique way of looking at watches and the idea is the how they've looked at it is pairing watches with cocktails okay sure, and then sure. from that um, the idea of how you would make these cocktails so the, the 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 podcast is called the spirit of time podcast there you go it's very good so yeah um they're i think uh two episodes in uh, so go check them out. They're on Spotify, uh, I believe, Anchor, Google, and Apple. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And I believe they're 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 out over here though. I think they're over yes, in the they're, in California, uh, aren't they? Yes, they're California based, uh, which is quite funny because they uh, they mentioned that in their episodes, and it was actually quite funny because they were mentioning places that I've actually been to. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, cool. as as we yeah, as we both know that the only time I've been to America was to California. Uh, so yeah, they they mentioned places it's like, oh, I recognise that, I've been there. Right. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, check them out. They've, they're like I said, they've just started, and you know, I think they take a a different approach to what things and i think that's a good thing about this hobby especially watch podcasts is the fact that we all seem to come at it from different points different of view, angles on the same, yeah. yeah on the same on, on the same um on the same kind of you know overall hobby which is good um right shameless plug okay so 
Timely Moments page, which obviously is my Instagram page, which links to the Zulu Time podcast, okay? We uh, last month conducted a charity patch drop. Now, what that effectively meant was um, I had a lot of interest uh, from listeners of the show and people who follow the Timely um, Moments page for uh, the ability to buy one of my patches. Now, yeah. as we've spoken about before, I've, I've highlighted in my own show, you've highlighted on, your, on, on the Blingham podcast, is that actually these, these uh, patches are for those who come on the show or have supported the show in various different ways. Um, and effectively, if you give up your time and have an interview with me, talk about watches for an hour or so, you get a patch. That's how it works, you know? Yeah. And, and I think I that's think the great. best way to do it, you know? And the reason that, they're given away is because I don't want to take any money away from the independent makers that I've gone to, to produce my patches. You know, I don't feel that it's right for me to buy them and then sell them for yeah. a perceived profit without that money going towards something. You know, I do the podcast as a hobby, you know, and I kind of want to keep it that way. It's not a business. So what we did do, uh, me and Carl, who make uh, Carl over at Pagoda Patches, who he hey Carl, my, hey Carl, he makes my patches. Um, we came up with a solution for this. Okay, we did a charity patch drop where thirty patches were sold last month, uh, with all the proceeds going to charity. And we agreed that um, for the UK drop. Um, as it were, we were going to do a UK and then an America drop. And the way we've done this is the patch drop was the UK one uh, and that support uh, funded money towards SAFA. And SAFA is uh, the Sailors, Soldiers and Air Force Association. And effectively, it's the oldest running tri-service uh, charity to the British military ever. OK, uh, I've got close familial, familial links to it. Um, I've got um, a cousin husband effectively works for or used to work for them uh, I've supported them in the past and like I said you know they do a lot of very good things for service families uh, veterans and 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 you know individuals which is really good um, we actually raised 220 pounds out of that patch which I'm really pleased congratulations and especially for the fact that you know pandemic guys charities just stopped getting money you know yeah. and i think uh, you know, i think any any way any way that charities can get an influx of money it doesn't matter whether it's you know a, a couple of dollars or a couple of pounds here everything counts um so i took that idea after the su success of that uh, and I went to another independent small maker, loosely within the watch fam. I say loosely, he's not loosely in the watch fam. He's massively into it because he is massively <laughs> into watches. Um, but he is a gentleman called Drew. Uh, he's in Illinois. Uh, hey, and Drew. He, he makes uh, bespoke handkerchiefs, okay? So his, his handle on Instagram is modhanks. Uh, it's in the show notes. Go check him out. And effectively, guys, he gave me a limited run of material because effectively he wanted to go to a printer's. We used my podcast logo um, for that, and I bought the um, the custom handkerchiefs from him. Uh, but we had a gleaming idea, and we decided that again, some people asked, could they buy these hanks? And initially, we said that we weren't ever going to do them because, yeah. again, why why do them? Because it's a very niche thing. But we've had enough messages about them as well as the patches and we decided again the best way to do this is to give back to charity so right. at the end of this month on the 30th of april um drew will be announcing the zulu time mod hanks charity drop and what that will consist of is around 20 hanks will have been made 
with um, the Zulu Time podcast uh, material print on one side and a camouflage pattern on the reverse. Oh, oh that's okay. rad. The camouflage pattern is unique. This kind of combination will never be made again because it is actually um, Marine, uh, US Marine Corps uniform camouflage pattern. The reason oh, cool. we have chosen that is because Drew has opted for all the money to go to the US Marine Corps charity, uh, the Marine Raider Foundation. Okay, so the way it's going to work is on the 30th, Drew will put a highlight in his stories, you can drop him a DM and you can go onto his Etsy page and you can buy one of the handkerchiefs. They're gonna be $25. And Great. there's also gonna be an option on there uh, for you to tip extra. You don't have to use it, don't feel obliged, but if you want to, you can, okay? And pretty much um, bar your postage money, all the money will be donated to the Marine Raider Foundation. Okay? That's killer. So that is the second Zulu Time podcast charity drop, as it were. Um, and to be honest, I think that'll be it. I think I think I've done two drops and I think that's how we'll, we'll leave it for now. Um, if there is enough you know, if there's um, enough of a kickback out the back of this in terms of, you know, people saying that they missed out or they, you know, they, you know, didn't get a chance or they think it's a good idea, potentially that um, either uh, in UK we'll look at doing another patch drop or we'll look potentially in the future to do another hank drop, you know, but the idea, guys, is not for, um, you know, to, for me to take money from the independent makers, yeah. it's to give back to charity and basically just get the designs out there. Um, and that's it really. So that's the, the next thing for us. And that's the thing that I wanted to plug uh, under the uh, quality assurance. So, you know, go buy yourself something cool and give to charity at the same time. Yeah, Dan, I think that's some awesome, awesome work that you're doing and stuff. And, and you know, as an ind independent maker myself, like I think that that's a really cool approach as kind of bridging our, the two areas, like content creation plus independent maker. Um, it's a win for both, both sides of the house. And I think that's a killer way of doing it. And you're right. It's not business. It's just cool. I think, I think the, so I spoke to an individual, he may, be, he may work at Elliot Brown uh, and they summarized <laughs> it really well. Um, their, their motto is, or unofficial motto is almost, it's nice to be nice. You know, and I, I think like that. that's kind of, you know, I, really I, like you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, you know, I said in my own way, I can kind of justify it. And I'd say that it's my way of being nice, you know what I mean? And yeah. and like I said, if people are all on board for supporting these little drops, I think, you know, I think we'll continue to do them. But, you know, hopefully um, people will get on board with this one um, and we'll just see how it goes, you know? That's great. Well, I'm going to stick a fork in this episode, uh, this UK and US edition of the Bellingham podcast. Thank you so much for listening to us, rating us, reviewing us wherever you like to get your podcast. Remember, if you are in the Bellingham area, you might be listening to us above ground on KMRE 102.3 FM or community streaming at KMRE.org. Remember, if you listen to this episode and you like Dan's sultry alto voice like my own, check out his show, Zulu Time Podcast, wherever you like to get your podcasts as well. From the City by the Salish Sea. I'm AJ Barsay. And I'm Dan. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Cheerio. Bye. For me, uh, montane walking trousers slash climbing mountaineering trousers is some of the best trousers I've ever... <laughs> no idea what's happening outside. Absolutely <laughs> no idea. You might have to edit that out.